Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. The fadeaway with a hand in his face in the air for the win! Yes, sir! Darnett gets Minnesota the win at Target Center! Towns rebound, bunts it fly, and Kyle Anthony Towns drills it at the buzzer! A catastrophic finish for the Grizzlies! Welcome to the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. Your home for the best Wolves talk around. Wiggins spots up there, deep three's got it! He scores it at the buzzer to give the Timberwolves the victory! Welcome in to another Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. My name is Gabe Anderson, and it's Victory Friday, ladies and gentlemen, because I guess I should say Victory Saturday, because that's when you'll be hearing it, but it is a victory for the Timberwolves over the Oklahoma City Thunder. They get the win, and here to break it down with me is Jared Good. Jared, how you doing? For the, for the first time in a couple of weeks, we don't have to say status quo as a Timberwolves fan. We got a W, so we got some we got some positivity to bring to this podcast, and I'm looking forward to it. So I'm good as always. Awesome. Also, we got not we didn't get one, but we got two wins this week. We went two and two this week, and probably should have went three and one or maybe four and zero oh this week. But we'll talk about this. Also joining me, Chris Emerson. Chris, how's it going? Lovely day, lovely day. Awesome, glad to hear it. Well, as I think we got to start with the game at hand, Minnesota Timberwolves. They beat uh, as I as uh, J- as Jared was saying before the podcast. Basically, the summer league squad of two years ago for the Oklahoma City Thunder. They beat the likes of um, Al Horford, um, Diallo, uh, Mike Muscala, I believe. That the Thunder only had eight players available to them tonight, but in the, yeah, in the end, the Timberwolves got the victory. So let's start with you, Chris. What were some of your takeaways from tonight's win? You know, some of the biggest takeaways I took was um, we played poorly. Uh, we shot bad. Um, we didn't look good. We would go in a spurt and then give them easy buckets. Um, it wasn't a very it wasn't a very good game for us, but um, I think it might have been the last straw for some some positional guys. Some role players are stepping up over guys like um, hopefully his ankles fine. It looked like a little tweak, but Jalen Noel looked good mm-hmm. um, in the second half before he went down. They moved him in, and he was playing uh, playing with some of the starters earlier before the bench unit guys came in. Um, McDaniels started the second half. He had a crazy stat line, zero points, but a plus 20 and plus minus, which I saw that. Yeah. I don't always love plus minus, but when, because you know, you could be playing against starters or bench, but when you're playing a team like this, OKC squad where everybody's all kind of bench guys, I feel like it's a decent, it's a decent, uh, a decent look into how he played. Um, you know, Nas battled. Nas played good. Like the guys that 
you didn't think were going to be stars are really stepping up, and uh, that was good. But overall, I mean, I'll take a win, but it was about as ugly as a win could get. Yeah, it was pretty ugly. And one other guy that I wanted to bring up, uh, Jake Lehman. He had a pretty good outing tonight. I mean, he hit, let's see, he hit uh, two threes. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, ended with ten points, a plus sevens. And really the bench overall, I thought, played pretty well. But uh, uh, Jared Jake Wilber- Lehman can yeah. play. Yeah, he Jake can- Lehman can play. Yeah, I, I think there's a reason that we that we brought him in here uh, to uh, to uh, to to this to part of this nucleus, part of Rosas' plan. Jared, what were some of your takeaways from tonight's game? Yeah, so so tonight's game, there, my I think my biggest takeaway was in the second half we saw D'Lo shoot the ball with confidence. I mean, he came out and he was shooting threes and shooting well. Mm-hmm. Um, in the second half, anyways, I didn't catch a whole lot of the first half, but I did watch the whole second half. Um, but I think my my biggest thing is is we're going to talk about Jake Lehman a little bit later on. I, I can almost promise you that. But that dude has played incredible almost all week, and and I think my biggest thing with Lehman is you we have so many guys on our team that cannot shoot, and we want to play fast, shoot threes. And that's how the Timberwolves want to play. Mm-hmm. And Layton fits that mold. Surprisingly to me, what I've seen from him this week is that dude can jump out of the gym. So so I, I, I'm pretty impressed with Layman this week. But my biggest takeaway is uh, D'Lo gaining confidence and hopefully adding Cat back this week. Yep. But we'll have to be patient with that, I think. Yeah, and, and I hate to say it again and again for the Timberwolves, but I think the solution to a lot of their problems is just to have Cat back and have D'Lo and Cat and Beasley playing alongside together. Now, something interesting from this game, and we kind of touched on it this week. First of all, I mean, we wouldn't have needed that last second three from uh, D'Angelo Russell if Josh Okogie doesn't miss a wide-open dunk. That's the first part of it. Second of all, Josh Okogie is benched in the second half. And it was kind of an interesting move by Ryan Saunders, one that I agree with. But let's start with you, Jared. What, what What's kind of your take on, on the benching of Josh Okogie and and kind of a different kind of a different thing, something that we don't see too much uh, from Ryan Saunders? What was kind of your take on that? Yeah, yeah. So you know, if if you've listened to to previous podcasts of ours, we we always say that Chris likes to put the GM hat on. Okay, well, I like to put the coaching hat on, and and this is something that we have talked about as a whole. Even talked about McDaniel's in person replacing Okogie at the three, which is what happened tonight, essentially. And uh, and yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, he might have played a little bit of four, but um, Okogie. There was a point in the game, so I, I remember watching this game. Okogi gets into the paint, and he stops. And and he stops, and he's in the paint for like two or three seconds. I was worried that he was going to get three seconds. Yeah, so he, he stops in the paint with like three seconds left. or He was in the paint for forever. Yeah. <laughs> and he, you know what he's doing? He throws up a shot. He gets his shot sent sent back by, I believe it was Roby, Um and Nas, Nas happens to stumble into the ball and get an and one. But, like, that play in particular just solidified what we've been talking about for weeks with Josh Okogie is he 
offensively is lacking so much. I can't. I I like to look at box scores, and I know you guys too. I can't remember the last time that Joshua Kogi had more than eight points in a game. Right. There's been so many so many empty lines with Joshua Kogi. Um, you know, zero two and three, zero two and one. Tonight was I think zero one and one with his couple steals and a couple blocks. Okogi needs to be moved to the bench, and I think people are starting to see that. I even think Ryan is starting to see that as well. And so that was something that was really nice to see tonight. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, go ahead. Well, I'm going to read off the last one, two, three, four, five, six. I'm going to read off the last eight games for Josh Okogi. I'm going to just <laughs> read off his field goals made in the last eight games in order, starting with this game. Zero, one. One, zero, two, one, zero, and two. <laughs> That's a starter. That's a guy that's starting for your team. He's averaging, you know, one field goal made a game. And and the thing is, is he is so frightened to even put up a shot. Yeah. I mean, he will have a clear lane to the basket and he'll put a big, slow Euro step on and have the layup, and then freak out and kick it out to nobody for a turnover. I mean, he is so, like I said in the other podcast, it's like a Chuck Knobloch thing where it's just in his head. Mm -hmm. He can't throw to first, you know, like he's just, (laughs) he can't do it. Um, Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a confidence player. I mean, he plays with, he plays with intensity, but his confidence is gone. Right. Um, And... You know, it's time when you have a roster set up like we do, where we have a lot of young guys, um, a lot of guys that are all kind of similar talent levels. Um, when a guy takes a step back, you have to be there as a coach to let the guy that's taking a step up take his role. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, like you're 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 ruining the whole process of building a young team you don't want to have a player not deserve minutes take minutes from a guy who's deserving them so Mm -hmm. i mean he has to move to the bench and i and i think the writing's on the wall he's been he's been set down in closing minutes the last couple games for mcdaniels and then the whole second half was mcdaniels this game um i think that i would be very surprised if he starts another game I said I said a couple weeks ago I don't think that uh, Culver will ever start another game for the Timberwolves when the roster's healthy. I don't think that a Kogi will either. Yeah, and so that that almost means that I mean, excluding the uh, Anthony Edwards pick, which is the jury is still out on that, but he's looked pretty good. The Wolves kind of screwed up two first round draft picks. Now I know Josh Okogi was twentieth, so it's kind of it's kind of you you can't. You can't necessarily for sure know, like, hey, at number 20, I'm going to get a star or, or a rotational starter. But still, him and Culver, I mean, two guys that aren't really living up to their potential. Now, let me let me ask you this, uh, Chris. Do you think that right now, if looking towards the trade deadline, that Josh has any trade value to any team or not so much? I mean, I think that he would be the type of guy that – at his contract, which I think is something like two and a half million, um, he's going to be a filler guy to make a trade work. Um, that would be about it. But I, I mean, 
you know, if, if, if you got a two and a half million guy that comes off your bench and plays hard defense for five mm-hmm. or six minutes a game when you need him, I mean, fine. You know, that's fine. Right. But he's definitely not an asset that another team is looking at. Right. Yeah. I. Yeah. Like. Like you were saying. I don't think he would be the cornerstone in any trade necessarily. Like. Even. Even if we were looking for someone like P.J. Tucker, which we talked about in a past podcast, I don't think that he would be enough. So. uh, Any. Do you guys. Do you guys have anything else on uh, tonight's game, or should we move forward to the fourth quarter collapse against against the uh, against the Spurs? Well, one thing about this game that. That is kind of a trend the last couple games that I think is something fans don't want to think about or say, but I'm not sure right now that Edwards is that comfortable with this starting squad. Um, I, I see him not finding his shots. I see him going long stretches without touching the ball. Um, he just looked so much more dynamic when he was on the second unit when he knew he was an alpha male. He knew that when he was out there, he got the rock and he was taking it hard to the rim, putting up shots, mm-hmm. maybe not efficient, but, um, or it's just a matter of he's got to, he's got to find his rhythm, which, which I'm fine with too, because, you know, long-term you're going to want him as a starter, but it's something to keep an eye on, um, just how he ends up finding his role with, unfortunately, it looks like the starter role is going to be almost by default because the guys that were starting for us are starting to fall by the wayside. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing I wanted to mention about the game is, does anyone, I, I know D'Angelo Russell pretty, shot pretty well from the field, uh, seven for 13, five for eight from three, but five turnovers for D'Angelo Russell tonight, and some of them were pretty bad turnovers. If I mean, some of them were, were pretty we're, we're pretty uh, ugly turnovers. So, Jared, any any worries about that from D'Lo, or is is that just him trying to be tr- trying to run an offense without Cat? Yeah. So, so I think that uh, that D'Lo absolutely can take some criticism for his turnovers in clutch situations. He had a couple tonight in in clutch situations. But one thing that I wanted to mention was I was watching this game um, pretty pretty closely um, around the nine minute mark, and I know you got I know you have to give your guys a break, but there was a play in this game where Rubio, like so Vanderbilt rolled and he tried to lob one up to Vanderbilt and it was like way over his head and Vanderbilt kind of looked at him like, dude, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) And, and I kind of thought the same thing. And when I was watching that, I'm like, all right, Saunders, let's get D'Lo back in here. Let's not close with Rubio. And he waited till about the, like the five 30 mark before he did it. And and that's just something that I kind of wanted to pay a little bit more closer attention to going forward is when does our closing lineup start? Does it start at six minutes? Does it start at eight minutes? Does it start at nine minutes? Um, I, I was a little bit frustrated with Rubio after that one. Um, he, he obviously didn't have the greatest game in the world to begin with, but I understand that you have to give your guys a little bit of rest. So I think that that you could see um, um, Rubio run a little bit longer in the second quarter opposed to the to to opening the fourth. Um, and then you could see D'Lo subbing out maybe earlier in the in the third, 
um, around the the four or five minute mark, and then getting him back in there for the whole fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, just rotational stuff that that I thought was kind of interesting. Um, because, like I said, I was frustrated after that pass by Rubio and Vanderbilt looked back at him like, I don't care how long you've been in the league. I'm never going to catch that. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I remember that play. That was frustrating. And yeah, to your point, I mean, D'Lo did, D'Lo and, uh, and the starters did come in and build a nice little re- lead there in the third quarter. But then with, uh, with, with the, with the second string in, they kind of fumbled it away a little bit. But yeah, pretty good third quarter for the Wolves um, uh, tonight, and yeah, uh, just just kind of kind of a kind of fun to get a win. Kind of fun to get a win. One one thing on D'Lo is he walks a real fine line between playing with swagger and just playing sloppy, lazy basketball. Um, and and when is when is when the swagger's working, I'm I'm sure that it's playing with swagger. I'm 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 locked in. That's one hundred percent what it is. But man, a lot of times I'm questioning it. And I'm thinking maybe he's just sloppy and lazy, or, or trying to like put on like a, a show, like he like he doesn't have to try as hard because he has so much talent or something. Mm-hmm. The last two fourth quarters. Um, which we'll get into the other one. He lost the ball right up, you know, right across half court, just with sloppy dribbling, and the guy just took it from him both times. Um, you know, sloppy passes out of pick and rolls. I mean, when he does pass, he's got to tighten up, man. I mean, he and and there's been a lot of conversation um, where if you read between the lines, where guys are saying. Um, you know, after the games, there's talk about, you know, late game offense and stuff like this. And they're not saying, hey, D'Lo's being a greedy ball hog, but they're saying D'Lo's being a greedy ball hog. And uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I really like D'Lo. I really do. But um, I don't like what I've been seeing of him of late. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. And about the rotations, um, Ryan is almost – locked into six minute mark like if it's if it's not six minutes it's five minutes and 30 seconds every quarter is when he switches guys in and out it's it's like clockwork (laughs) yeah it's it's almost it's oh oh, go go ahead jared i was just gonna say so like we we were talking about uh rotational stuff and and how much we've been disappointed with okogi our our second unit has been bad for as long as I can remember yeah. ever. I mean, even in the Kevin love days, the second unit was horrible and, and it has been for a long time. And you can move a guy like Okogi where, you know, you're going to struggle with the second unit, but he can bring defensive presence, which might elevate the second unit to not get completely waxed when they're in there. So I kind of like that, that idea of Okogi being with the second unit, even though he's not a very skilled offensive player, but that gives more keys to, you know, a guy like Anthony Edwards that, you know, he's been starting, but he can go to the bench and, and he can fling it. Mm-hmm. I think we're third in the NBA in bench scoring. I mean, our bench is doing okay. They just might be giving up as much. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and kind of, kind of to Chris's point when he when he said that um, it's almost exactly at six minutes when when he when he uh, switches up teams. It's almost kind of like when like when you're playing a, like in 
like early, like probably third grade basketball when <laughs> at a certain time the like coach goes okay other other guys you can go in and then you go in for like three or four minutes yep. and the next it's just a, a whole change of the platoon so here's here I, I kind of want to ask a fun question it's not in the outline I just kind of thought of it who is one and I'm not of course I'm not talking about like. Kevin Garnett, I'm not talking about Kevin Love, I'm not talking about like star players, but who is one role player from the past that you wish you could take from the from the past from from the Timberwolves and place them on this team? Uh, and I'll give you a minute to think, but I on this team, I would love to have someone like a Wally Zerbiak on this team because he he's someone who could hit some threes. Um, kind of, I think he could form a nice uh, uh, almost fourth piece to the starting rotation. But uh, who? So I'll ask you guys: Who is one Timberwolves role player? Like I'm not like I said, not Love or Garnett. Who's one role player you'd love to have on this particular team? And uh, I'll start with you, Jared. Yeah, yeah. So I love this question because because back in the day I was an Anthony Peeler guy. And, okay. Uh, Anthony Peeler would be my pick solely because uh, this team, the, what what they want to do is they want to run and gun and they want to shoot threes. Anthony Peeler is the perfect guy for that. That dude, all that's all he did was shoot threes. He wanted to shoot threes all the time, and 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 I, I just think he'd be a great fit for the kind of the offense that we run nowadays compared to back then. Uh, so, so Anthony Peeler would be my pick hands down, but I'm a little biased because I was a huge Anthony Peeler. Guy. No, that's fine. That's fine. I'd like to see him too. Chris, who would be your guy? Um, you know, maybe Tom Gugliotta. Ooh. Give me a, give me a hard nosed power forward. That's going to just kind of grind it out in there. Um, maybe, uh, Oh, who was the guy? Who was that big shot? The shot blocking guy who shot three pointers. And I think um, it's not not Rod. You're not talking Rosho, right? No, oh, no, okay. <laughs> they passed away on a train tracks. Oh, um, um, oh, Eddie Griffin. I loved Eddie Griffin <laughs> or Grip, something like that. That kid. I mean, we're talking role players, man. But uh, an actual quality player, I would say Tom Gugliano. Okay. Fun, fun story about Eddie Griffin. Do you, do you guys remember at Target Center right next to it used to be a GameWorks? Yes, I do remember that. Yes. Yeah. So, so one one time, um, I, I went to GameWorks. This was when I was a kid. I went to GameWorks with my dad, and uh, I and there there was someone at the bar that looked familiar, and I guess it was Eddie Griffin. And my dad asked me, "Hey, do you want to go up to him and get an autograph?" And I was like. No, not really. <laughs> like, like he he didn't hear it. Obviously, I hope he didn't hear it, but I don't know. Right, right, but probably not. Right, like I I don't I don't want to go to a player at the bar and ask for an autograph, e- even if it is a tacky place like GameWorks. I don't necessarily want to be the one to do that, but. Um, yeah, so moving forward, yeah, th- those were some good answers. Um, I-, I think we're going to keep doing that, just like random questions here and there, just uh, to kind of spice up the podcast a little bit. But uh, mo- moving forward here, uh, we, we got to kind of talk negative about the Spurs game, um, kind of the fourth quarter collapse. And we'll start with you, Chris. What happened to the Wolves in the fourth quarter against the Spurs? Oh, boy, what was it, man? I mean... You know, we went three minutes. I I, was, I remember I was watching it, and about at the seven-minute mark when we subbed guys in, we just got done with a three-minute uh, 
run with no points. Um, they went on a 17 to two run. Um, we tried three different guys defending um, defending DeRozan. None of it worked. We can't seem to stop um, him. Like we just can't. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we had we had Ricky and D'Lo again on the court together with Ricky not being the ball handler. Like, <laughs> what's the point? Um, you know, it, it came down to D'Lo, and this is something I said a while ago on here. Where I'm, I'm hoping this doesn't happen, but I'm worried about it. That that the energy between the stars being Carl Anthony Towns and D'Lo, and mind you, I don't know what happens obviously in the locker room, but mm-hmm. how often do you do you see Carl Anthony Towns publicly speaking or or being a cheerleader for the Wolves? Almost never, right now. Same as D'Lo. Um, but like these young guys have all this spirit and they're the ones that are kind of like driving the team right now. And I'm hoping it's not a stars versus team kind of aspect, but it felt like that in that fourth quarter, it felt like D'Lo was like, okay, guys, I'm going to save the team. And, uh, and he didn't, um, you know, Anthony Edwards was playing well, didn't touch the ball. Well, he touched the ball once in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And a rebound. Yeah. A bucket. Um, it just, it just was pretty much an all around horribly played quarter, which is miserable because the first three quarters, we looked smooth. Mm -hmm. Like Rubio looked great. It was one of his best games he was playing. Um, and Lehman played good. Uh, you know, we were playing simple, like a couple of weeks ago, um, or a couple games ago, Rubio had a after the after I think a, one of our other collapses, um, Rubio said we got to get back to just A Bs and Cs of basketball, and other than that pass to Vanderbilt today, that was just this lob that had no chance of being successful. He's been cutting his like stupid passes down and just kind of making easy plays, and that's what we were doing. We were just playing good basketball, and then all of that stopped in the fourth quarter. I don't know. It was. I think D'Lo took seven of the last ten shots I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, that can't happen. Like that can't happen. Right. And and to, to kind of to his defense, from from what I saw, I was kind of half watching the game. I kind of watched it later. He did towards the end. He did hit a few. He did hit a few jumpers. But it wasn't enough to salvage it. Also, I want to mention the Spurs. I mean, if and we'll talk about whether or not we should make a run at things or just tank at this point. But uh, the Spurs, they're one of those teams that we might need to beat out or might need a tiebreaker for for the Ted seed. Now, I, yeah. I know I know that seems far off right now because what we're six and sixteen, but still, I mean, you, you win a game here, you win a game there. Let's say you win two against Oklahoma City, then you're right back in it. But Jared, what 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 was your a- analysis of that uh, of that Spurs game, the fourth quarter, or even before that? Yeah, so so like Chris was saying, I thought that. So I watched. I'll break it down. I basically watched. Uh, Halfway through the second quarter up until um, about the beginning of the fourth quarter. And then I checked out for about eight minutes because I had some stuff to do at work. That was smart. I came back, <laughs> I came back and I looked up because when I when I quit watching the game, we were up by 15. And 
I come back and DeRozan, DeRozan's at the free throw line with like two minutes left, and it's and the time might not be exact, but there's like it's 103 to 101, and we're losing by two. And I'm like, what the hell happened? Like right. I've, been, I've been gone for for you know eight minutes of of game time, and now all of a sudden we're down by a ton, and it's it's frustrating to see because in the first half when I was watching Rubio played the best I thought he's played all year. He was making passes. He was rebounding. He was running the floor. You know, like, Rubio looked fantastic in the first half from what I saw. And then we come down to the end, and even the last shot, I mean, it was so predictable. Like, D'Lo gets the ball up top, you know, and there's, like, 20 seconds left, and we're dribbling around, and he takes an off-balance three, which, I mean, I know D'Lo can make shots pretty much from wherever, but I'm like, that's the best we could do? That was their best right. possible run-up look? Like, come on now. And so I was pretty... Same pretty shot that fell game. tonight. It is, but, <laughs> but it, you know, looking at looking back at it, I'm like, man, like that, that just seems lazy to me. Right. Yeah, and but but the other thing about tonight's D-Lo shot is like it wasn't really off balance. It was kind of in rhythm. Was was the way that I saw it. Um, but yeah, well, so, for sure. Yeah. And what was good was leading up to that D-Lo shot tonight was Nas um, got a post feed where he where he you know put a couple little shake on and hit a and hit a hit a little hook. Um, Layman was involved. Uh, Edwards was involved. Like it, it wasn't just D'Lo. Like I said, seven out of ten shots. It mm-hmm. was everyone else involved. So now, the other guys are kind of staying involved. Like there's just a better flow to everything when D'Lo has it. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I I, I agree with you. I agree with you. So the Timberwolves they sit now at six and sixteen. Actually, what's crazy, looking at the standings, the team above us is not the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's the Dallas Mavericks. Quick side note, what's going on with the Mavericks this year? <laughs> I don't know. Like like what? Like you you have and the thing is they have they have Chris Stops back. I yeah, mean, and he's playing okay again. Yeah, um he's done well. I kind of think Luca was on Luca and Rubio were hanging out at the, you know, hanging out at the resort eating too much. Yeah. Um they both kind of they both kind of look like they're not quite into uh mid-season shape right now. Right. Well, I'll tell you this about the Mavericks is that they've lost six in a row, um, and they've lost to some good teams, and they've lost to some bad teams. I mean, they 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 lost to the Rockets. I mean, that's that's not a that's not something you want to tip your cap at when you're looking back at at where we went wrong this week. Um, but they've also lost to the Jazz a couple times. They've lost to the Suns recently, and then. <laughs> The, the I think the real concern for the Mavericks, as just a complete side note, is they got blown out by the Warriors. Like, they did. They gave almost 150 points to the Warriors, who didn't have Wiseman. They didn't have Looney. They didn't have Pascal. So, so uh, you know, you know, you guys know that I'm a, that I'm a fantasy guy, but um, their their center for for 36 minutes of that game. Well, it wasn't 36, but I think he got to like 29. Or thirty due to blowout run, but it was Draymond Green. He played center <laughs> for them, and he dished like he used to. So that might be something if you're a Warriors fan looking forward um, to see maybe Draymond Green at the five again. How about how about Kelly Oubre Jr. though? He went out for forty. How do you let Kelly Oubre Jr. go out for forty? Now I, I know he's a good player, but still, he's been terrible this year. He's but... been 
awful this year. Yeah, he's but, got, I mean, he's got talent. Yeah. Yeah, he does. So, okay, like I was saying, the Timberwolves. So, so the the situation that they're in, they they are last in the West, but not necessarily. They don't necessarily have the worst record. In fact, I think they have the third worst record in the league. Their pick is top ten protected. So, I got to ask you guys this: top three protected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top three. That's what I. Yeah, thank you. That's that's what I meant to say. Should, in your opinion. Should the Wolves tank or try to make the 10 seed, in your opinion? And we'll start with you, Jared. Just flat out, what what do you think they should do? Well, um, I don't think we can enter a tank mode until we see this team at 100%. Um, right. Like, as, like we talked about last week, we're still missing Cat. Um, mm-hmm. And Cat is one of the best players in the NBA. He's a top 10 player. Um, and until we get him back, we really don't know. I mean, we're, I think, what, two and two with Cat and D'Lo on the floor together in, mm-hmm. in their career together. Uh, I think the, the jury's still out on that. So I'm not willing to enter tank mode yet um, solely based on we haven't seen enough of those two. And uh, so if we, if we start winning a couple games here, I know the last podcast I talked about these next um, four or five games, which was the road trip. Um, I said if we go one and four, it's time to start entering tank mode. Right. Um, and if we don't, then uh, I'm I'm still waiting to be a little patient. It's a shorter season, 72 games. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think that the jury's still out on our team uh, when it's 100. percent And I'm trying not to be a homer, but I think this team can still um, make a little bit of a push here. Um, they got a pretty soft schedule, so right. Yeah, and I, I'm two ways on this because at one thing, at one way, Cade Cunningham and Jalen Suggs look so good, like like they, they look like the two consensus guys. Like for uh, on a kind of a side note, I don't see anybody beating Gonzaga this year. I think they're too good in in, in college basketball. I I don't see anyone <laughs> right. But also, Cade Cunningham looks amazing. I mean, he's got Oklahoma State on like playing primetime games. That, that's amazing. That's an amazing feat for Oklahoma State basketball. But on the other hand, you don't want to waste Carl Anthony Towns' prime. You don't want to waste another year of Carl Anthony Towns' prime. So, yeah, I, I don't think you tank, but I got to say, Cunningham and Kate, uh, Cunningham and Jalen are very tempting. Uh, Chris, what's your take on this? You know, it's one of those things where I don't think we're going to have to worry about it right away because um, I think it'll be decided for us. Okay. Uh, We'll either lose enough games where it's going to be like, you know what, at this point, yeah, we're going to do this. Um, But, I mean, another thing to think about, like I said, it's top three protected. So the top, if you, let's say we finish with the worst record in the entire NBA. Mm-hmm. you still only have a 40% chance to stay in the top three. Right. Like, that's not a lock. And if you finish, let's say, at the eighth spot in the draft, like the eighth worst record, you've got a 20% chance of being in the top three. So it's really not that much di- I mean, it's different, but it's not like it's that much different. So I think it was in, in 2018 um, – we, uh, we finished about 10 games under 500, and that was right around the 8, 9, 10 spot in the draft. Uh, right now, we're 10 games under 500. 
So if we go 500 for the rest of the season, which we said we kind of were that sort of team, right? We'll probably be right around, you know, the eight, nine spot in the draft, which is right about where you'll have 20% chance at at being there. I mean, if if we're really a 500 team, being 10 games under in a West that's so competitive, usually. Um, it's going to be hard to pull out of that hole mm-hmm. um, to really make, to be honest about being a playoff team um, with as many question marks as we have. Right. I mean, let's say Carl Anthony Towns comes back next game, which I doubt he will, but let's say he does. I mean, he's not going to be a hundred percent. Right. Like he's now, pl- he's now been pretty much off for like, I don't know, five weeks, like all but two games in five weeks. Like that can't, that kid's going to be, you know, he's not going to be sharp. Uh, we do have, like I said last podcast, we had the third hardest schedule so far. So, I mean, that's obviously going to flip. So we're going to have an easier schedule. But, you know, you know, we're, we're 50 days away from the tra- trade deadline. Unless something miraculous happens there, um, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think tank or not tank is going to have to be an issue. I think we're just going to probably lose. Um, we're probably going to be a sub 500 team from here on out. We'll probably end up, you know, creeping up the standings a little bit, but we'll probably end up in the, you know, number six, five, six spot in the draft lotto. And then it's all going to come down to how the balls fall. Right. And, uh, talking about some of those guys, you know, I'm a big draft guy. I love the draft. Um, I love watching prospects and, I'm not in love with these prospects as much as like the national media is. When I watch, I've only watched a couple games of Cade Cunningham, and he seems pretty passive to me. He yeah. seems like the guy that doesn't have that, um, like an a hole kind of attitude, which is what you kind of need to have. Like that's why I like Anthony Edwards. He's got that. Well, I'm, I might be 0 for 10, but guess what? Here comes number 11. You know, <laughs> like we need that. I don't see that in Cade Cunningham. He's kind of got that soft softness to him, which which I don't want on this team. Um, maybe Evan Mobley might be the guy to get. Long guy, power forward, kind of centerish. They're trying to say he's Anthony Davis-like. He seems kind of soft, too. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not in love with this draft as much as others, but hmm. I'd rather have the pick than give it up. What do you, what do you think of Jalen? Have you seen Jalen play much? Yeah, I, I've seen him. He's fine. He reminds me of like a Chauncey Billups kind of guy. Like he he knows what to do. He's again not explosive. Like he's the kind of guy that I think is is good. Is really good. Really talented. Really smart. Which goes really far in college. But um, I don't know if he has the athletic profile to push him over the edge playing at a you know, point guard slash shooting guard in the NBA. Like that's a tough spot, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a tough, that's a tough spot to play in the NBA. Um, I wouldn't draft him. Especially really? not in this team. Really? You, you wouldn't draft if he was, let's say you had the second pick, Cade Cunningham okay. goes one, you wouldn't go Jalen too. So where would you play him? That's a, uh, I mean, he would have to find the floor. Uh, maybe, oh. Maybe at the three, maybe? Is he tall enough for that? No. Well, he's definitely not physical enough. But so you've got so you've got 
Um, now then you would have D'Lo, Beasley, Edwards, and him and Suggs. Like, how, how are you gonna how are you gonna do that? You know, like it it just doesn't fit for our roster. Or maybe have them come off the bench first. I mean, we started off with. Uh, with uh, Edwards coming off the bench, and, and now he's... But maybe, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, when it comes down to it, if we get that pick, one, two, or three, I would bet a paycheck on that whoever we draft is not going to be on our roster that's 100% traded. I don't think that Rosas has any interest in bringing in a 19-year-old kid to this team right now again. Okay. And one one fun fact about uh, Suggs, um, I, I don't know where most of our viewers come from, but Suggs uh, played at Minnehaha Academy and, and is from St. Paul, so it's always good to talk about a hometown boy and watch him light it up uh, somewhere and be uh, mm-hmm. uh, a good a good player out in, in Gonzaga land. But there, there's hometown talent in this state. And yeah, there is. If only the Gophers could have kept him, maybe we would have beat Rutgers. <laughs> that or, was a- uh, What's that kid from... Uh, Who's Chet the Holmgren? Chet now. Chet? Yeah, Chet Holmgren. Yeah, he uh he's he's, they, he's said to be the number one pick next year. Yeah, but he, like that kid's that kid's good too. And it it's it's fun to to talk about hometown talent because we haven't always really had it. Mm-hmm. Um I, like growing up for me, I, I know that Royce White was a really big prospect. Yeah. And he just didn't want to fly and kind of ruined his career because yeah. of that. <laughs> but it's fun to talk about kids that that are in this state. You know, you have Trey and Tyus Jones, who are both big, big prospects. Mm-hmm. And I was fun to talk about the hometown love in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, and uh, McKinley Wright at uh, Colorado's going into his his uh, senior season, so maybe he has a future. I don't know. He seems like one of the best players on the Colorado team and in the conference. So maybe he has uh, some future somewhere, maybe like a second-round pick. Also, and uh, Gopher fans know him well, Daniel Oturu, he's doing his yep. thing over on the uh, on the uh, Clippers. Clippers. Yeah, on the Clippers. Um, I, get, yeah, I can't I get, say his name, but Najir something. Um, oh, na- Najee Harris. He's, yeah. he's with the Jazz. Oh, Zeke Najee. Gotta, Zeke Najee. I got, a, I, I got a quick side note on this. I'm not a big women's college basketball guy, but um, Paige? Uh, Paige is actually related to a guy that I work with, and she is absolutely incredible at basketball. If you ever get a chance to watch her yeah. play basketball. Um, I've just, watched some highlights. Yeah, she she is unbelievable for, for a female basketball player, so I just thought I should drop her in here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a good plug. Maybe a, maybe a future links. Who knows? Is that how you say it? A, a future links or links player? Or I don't know how you say it. She put up she she put up thirty and five the other day as a freshman, and they put her up on Sports Center the other night and put her side by side with Diana Taurasi, and it's like, damn, this this chick is good. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Also, um, what one more we'll mention uh, on North Carolina right now? Cur- what is it? Kerwin White, I think, doing his thing over in North Carolina from Hopkins. He's He's starting for them and doing good things, but uh, yes. Well, and we got Michael Hurt for Duke. Oh yeah, he was like a number. He was like a number. Matthew is it Matthew or Michael? One of them. He was like a number five recruit in the nation. He'll probably be drafted somewhere. Yeah, unfortunately, the Gophers got his bad brother. So who was <laughs> terrible? I think I think the Gophers got Michael. They got Matthew. So could be. 
Yeah. But anyway, uh, moving forward, uh, Jared, uh, let's do your kind of fantasy minute. Who are some guys that uh, that uh, fantasy owners in basketball should go after or maybe some sleepers out there? Yeah, so I was so pre- prepared for this like an hour ago, and now I kind of forgot what I was going to say. But oh, okay. the number one, the, the number one guy that that I'm looking to add uh, this week, he's actually out with a uh, protocol tonight. He actually plays for the Thunder. Is Theo? I think his last name is Maldon. He's from France. He's a rookie. He's I think he's 19 years old. George Hill is out for four weeks, and and last week I talked about really looking at injuries and and who is going to benefit from that. So Theo Maldon, I'm going to say, I'm not 100 percent sure on the pronunci- pronunciation, but <laughs> that sounds about he, right. He is my 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 top ad this week, um, solely based on the fact that he's going to start for this team for the next month. Um, so you can pick up him um, and start starting him you can look at other guys um that are benefiting from injuries uh i don't know which bogdanovich brother it is but it's the one it's the one from atlanta he doesn't have a timetable for his return yet um obviously guys like kevin herter are already owned um but you can look at a guy like cam reddish um who might be available in some leagues uh you can pick him up he's going to see around 30 minutes a game uh, when he's healthy, another sleeper that I'm kind of looking at right now, <laughs> it doesn't excite me, but it's it's Aaron Baines has made his way back into the starting lineup uh, for the Raptors and has has played a decent amount of minutes. Uh, this is obviously uh, a little bit deeper league of stuff. And then uh, if you're looking into like dynasty leagues, I know they're not super popular in NBA, but I play in one dynasty league. And it uh, makes, makes things kind of fun because you're looking for young talent. So a guy like Theo Meldon would be a good good ad, or maybe it's Tyler. I don't remember his first name. Um, and the dude from Auburn that plays for the Magic, his last name is Okiki, I believe. Oh, yeah. Aaron Gordon's going to be out for a set period of time, too, and, and that's important to us because I know that we were talking about trade possibilities for him. He could be getting healthy around the trade deadline, but a guy like him is going to see around 20 minutes. Uh, his big thing is he's in foul trouble all the time. Um, but if you're in deeper leagues or if you're in dynasty leagues and you see a guy like Aaron Gordon get moved at the trade deadline, which is a real possibility to not just us but the rest of the league mm-hmm. if he's healthy, uh, you could see a rookie like him um, in deeper leagues be a nice add because he's going to see minutes and he's not a bad player at all. Awesome. One thing that one thing I'd mention is depending on the style of league you have, like I play in a in a head-to-head league, um, you might be getting to the point now where some teams are falling behind the race for playoffs, and they might be dropping players that you know are hurt but are are better players or, or maybe not quite there yet. Like in my league, Danilo Gallinari just got cut, um, and I picked him up. Um, Because he just got back from being hurt. He's kind of only playing 20 minutes a game right now, so he's not really up to speed yet. But the team that cut him needs some, you know, instant impact to to kind of move up the standings to make sure they can get in a playoff picture. And if you're a guy that is locked in the, you know, one, two, three seed kind of thing already, you know, looking like you're, you're doing fine, taking a shot on one of these guys that have big upside 
and you know dumping one of your you know flyers that you have on your bench that's what i would do right now yeah and uh uh guys like like in my dynasty league hamid diallo is available and i'm in a 12 team dynasty league that's a guy that i'm going to add just because like I said, George Hill's going to be out for for four weeks. The dude's going to see run. Another mm-hmm. sleeper ad that I could that I could add in would be Hassan Whiteside in some leagues. And it sounds ugly, but hear me out. Hassan Whiteside is going to be traded soon, and the team that he ends up with could be a lot more beneficial to the team that he's on currently now. So you could probably get ahead of the game and and add a guy like Hassan Whiteside. I know he has uh, ties to possibly Brooklyn, which I think he would become an elite player at adding off a, a waiver wire if he's playing on Brooklyn. Um, yeah, just just keep an eye on news. News is so key in NBA. Um, you know, I, I share a couple articles that I write with you, that I write with goingfor2.com, and I share them with you guys. And... Uh, one of the art, my latest article that I wrote, I, I listed off about 15 players that I liked for the day, and within a snap of a finger, I liked two players on the whole article because because Oladipo was ruled out and John Wall was ruled in, and so so news is super key when it comes to fantasy NBA. Mm-hmm. So always keep an eye on the news. Absolutely, yeah, keeping an eye on the news, keeping an eye on what's going on, and t- taking a look at what's going on with the Timberwolves moving forward uh, the next week before we do another podcast. Four games. Again, of course, tomorrow night at Oklahoma City. Hopefully that's a W, but you never know. Shea could come back. Uh, but honestly, if it's the same team that we saw tonight, should be a W. If if in a perfect world, uh, that's a W at Dallas. It better be. Yeah, it better be at Dallas. Um, struggling team right now, but as as we were mentioning, one of those teams that you might have to beat to if you're going to go after that ten seed. One of the teams that you may have to go on the road and maybe upset. But honestly, I could see Luca running wild in that one uh, versus the Clippers. I'm just going to write that off as a loss. I, I I think you got particularly if we don't have Cat. I think a lot of this um, kind of rotates around if we have Cat or not. But um, yeah, I, I don't think we're beating the Clippers even with Cat. But also, and then at Charlotte's, and that'll be a fun one because you get to see Anthony Edwards versus Lamelo Ball. Basically, that will be fun. yeah, that, that'll be so. Which which game? Let's let's go with this. Which game this week are you most excited for? And, and let's start with you, Chris. What game are you most excited for out of those four? Um, for me, it's Charlotte, and it's and it's easy. I've watched a handful of Charlotte's games. I love watching them play. Um, I really like I really like the flair they play with. I really like Rozier, and I like Graham. Graham is one of well. Last year, Graham was one of my favorite basketball players. He's really been in a slump this year, but they run. They when when we when you play them, it'll, it'll be fun to watch because they do something like we should be doing with um, Beasley and D'Lo. I think last year they had I think something like eighty percent of Graham's assists, which he had like eight assists a game, were to uh, Rozier. Like the guard to guard assists on their team are super high because they play, they just play so well together. Um, so that'll be a fun team. 
um, watching Edwards and, and Ball go at it because you know they're both going to try to just show out. Mm-hmm. That's going to be fun. Um, yeah, that's my that's my game. Okay, and then uh, Chris, you agree? Or sorry, sorry, Jared, you agree? Is that the uh, one you're looking forward to? Or are you looking forward to Dallas, L.A., or Oklahoma City, or Charlotte? I'm actually going to take it a step further. Um, I'm going so the easy pick is Charlotte because obviously we want to see Lamelo versus Edwards and see who won the draft and all this and that. But I'm going to take it a step further to the Sunday game on the 14th Valentine's Day. Make sure you get your honey something. Um, but I'm going to take it to uh, the Raptors just because I think the Raptors are such a, a fundamental team. Like they don't do anything exceptional, but they do everything well. And I want to see how we match up against a team like the Raptors, who have an inside presence in in Siakam, even though he can float around on the key. Um, they have two good guards, much like us. Uh, you put Cat against uh, against you know I mean obviously Baines would probably match up with him but I think that matchup in particular would be great to see us be competitive in because I think it's a team that is very not similar to how we are but like similar similar strong points and we have cards and we have and we have you know inside presence and. So I, I want to see kind of how we match up with a team like that, like mm-hmm. a team that likes to shoot threes in Lowry and, and Van Fleet that are both good guards. We have D'Lo, uh, and then they have Siakam on the inside. We have Cat, and I think that game just is kind of low-key kind of fun because mm-hmm. I think I think that it just kind of matches up well. I mean, at, Toronto's a much better team than we are, don't get me wrong, but I think if can match up and play well with a team like that. I think that could be a good, uh, strong push forward. Right. Who do you think? Who do you think will try to sell more fouls in that game, Lowry or D'Lo? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's going to still be Lowry. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to go with Lowry and well as well. And uh, so my favorite, obviously, I mean Charlotte. I mean you got Lamelo versus Anthony Edwards. I could see Anthony Edwards going off like he did against Wiseman. Honestly, I could see Anthony Edwards if they somehow are on each other and they're in the paint. I could see him try to posterize Lamelo like he did on Wiseman once again. Oh, yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, but also. I would say I'm excited to see the uh, L.A. game, but I just think we're going to get killed. Um, I mean, to be honest. Just a quick question. Who guards Kawhi? My answer would be nobody. McDaniels. (laughs) That's who it's going to have to be. It's going to have to be someone that can – I think that's what's scary about L.A. is is not only that, but, I mean, they also have Paul George who can shoot pretty damn good from time to time. A sneaky good pickup for them. I know we were just talking about Charlotte, but sneaky good pickup for them in the offseason was Nicholas Batoon. Like I love Batoon. Yeah, like I remember I wanted him years ago when the Wolves uh, were in the running for him, but uh, obviously it didn't work out too well in uh, in – in uh, Charlotte, but a sneaky good pickup for them. This is going to be a super awkward comparison because they play two totally different positions, but he reminds me so much of Tim Duncan. Like, just does everything well, smart, rebounds the basketball. Obviously, they play two different positions, so it's not the best comparison in the world, but, like, mentally, those two kind of carry themselves the the same way, and I've always been a Batum fan. When he gets minutes, he plays well. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think that's where. So I think I think if the Wolves can, particularly, you got to win tomorrow night, and then. If they can go two and two this week, I think particularly with Cat coming back, if he does come back, maybe we can even go three and one. But if we can go two and two, I feel like we're in pretty good position going forward and able to build some momentum and just not tank. So uh yeah, guys, thanks so much for joining us. Chris, thanks so much for joining me again. No problem, man. Awesome. And Jerry and on a good note, I'm gonna get a I'm gonna put a little fun fact in everyone's ear. Go ahead. Right now. Right now, in isolation play, Anthony Edwards is in the 100th percentile in the NBA, meaning he's literally one of the top five people in the entire NBA in isolation scoring. Well, there you go. That's a good thing going forward. Last last time I ended on, keep an eye on him. It's going to be fun to watch this kid grow. I'm going to tell you tonight, he averages 1.55 points per play. On isolation, which is, like I said, about as good as you can do in the entire NBA. Nobody's better than him. So, of course, it's a small sample size, but that's just something to, something to chew on for the night. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's, um, that's what we want to see, someone on this team who can create offense because – we know that a Koji can't do it. We know that a lot of people can't do it. So something good for uh, for you to chew on tonight. And uh, Jared, thanks so much for joining me, as always. As always, guys, I have a blast doing this. I'll leave you with a fun fact since Chris put me on the spot here. But I got one on the top of my head. Uh, one thing that I heard on the radio when I was driving home from work the other night, listening to the game, Alan Horton of CBS Sports Radio with Timberwolves affiliate, um, said that D'Angelo Russell – on wide open threes is shooting 51% on wide open threes. And why is that significant? Well, when you had a guy like Cat coming back into the game, you might see some more wide open threes coming up in the next couple weeks here. That's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. And uh, awesome. Yeah, well, thank you so much, guys. This has been another Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. And as always, go Wolves.